topic today out of Isaiah chapter 50, more than conquerors. Thus says the Lord, where is the certificate of your mother's divorce whom I have put away? Or which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? For your iniquities you have sold yourselves. For your transgressions your mother has been put away. So the Lord starts off, the Lord speaking through Isaiah, saying, where is my, your certificate of your mother's divorce? In other words, God saying, did I divorce her? Did I write it up? Was it my idea? Did I want to divorce her? And then he answers his own question. Well, he then asks it another uh, way. Where are the creditors to whom I sold her, that I have sold her? Where is the credit? Where is the receipt that I sold her to someone else? Since I don't have that. You don't have that. You don't have a certificate of divorce. You don't have a a uh, receipt that I sold you anywhere. It was not my intention for you to not be with me, but your own iniquities you have sold yourself. You departed from God, right? There's a bumper sticker that says something along the line of, uh, if you feel distant from God, guess who moved, right? It's not God, right? It's us that leave him. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. And so if there is a distance between us and them, it's because of us. Because we have chosen to reject him. We have chosen to resist him. We have chosen to sin. We've chosen to listen to the devil. Right? Just as Adam and Eve did back in, uh, back in the Garden of Eden. They chose to listen to Satan. And thus they chose not to listen to God. And they rebelled from him and turned toward the other and distanced themselves and put a separation between them and God. And that is how it is today, and that is uh, what the end result would be. In the end, it would be our choices if we are not in heaven or not, or if we're in heaven or not. As, as God's desire is for all of us to be with him all the time, forever, on his part. Verse 2, why when I came, was there no man? Why when I called, was there none to answer? Is my hand to shor shorten that at all that it cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? Again, God's saying, okay, you've separated yourself, you've distanced yourself, and then I came after you, and you didn't respond, you didn't answer, you didn't, and again, similar to in the Garden of Eden. Right? When we sinned, what did we do? We ran from God, we hid from God. What did God do? He sit there and say, oh, they should have known better. I told them. I warned them. I give them a few days and see if they come back. No, he went after us. He came to us. He came looking for us. And then he drew us with his cords of love. He tried to draw us out. He tried to draw us out of the bushes by asking, where are you? He knew where we were. He could have gone over and knocked that tree down, you know? Come out of there. What are you doing hiding back there? You know? I see you hiding back there. But in love, he wanted us to come to him. So he comes and he draws and he calls, where are you, where are you? Every day we met at this time, every day I came, every day we visited. Where are you today? I miss you. And so he comes looking for us. And that's what he says here. When I came, why when I came was there no man? Was there no one? Why didn't anyone answer? It's not because my hand, God is still speaking, it's not because my hand is too short to save, it's not that I can't deliver you from your sins, your sins have separated you from me, but I can help you with that. I can overcome that, just as he did for Adam and Eve. 
They sinned. They got kicked out of the Garden of Eden. But God provided a sacrifice for them. God clothed them. Right? Then they lost their righteous covering and then were naked before God and realized it before each other and had shame and guilt. And God clothed them with animal skin. That's how the Bible puts it. God clothed them. God came to them. God provided a sacrificial system for them so that they can be back to God. He says, my arm is not too short to save. It's not that I don't have any power. I've got all the power you need for me to deliver you from your sin, from your sinfulness, from your sinful desires, from your natural, carnal tendency to drift from God. We talked about that this past weekend in our midweek Bible study. The mind, the Bible says, the natural mind is the carnal mind, is a carnal mind, and it is the carnal mind, the Bible says, is enmity towards God, hatred towards God. That's what we're born with. We're born with a natural hatred towards God. So if you wonder why people hate God, you wonder why you've had a resistance towards God, it's because that's normal. It's not good. It's not godly. It's not heavenly. It's not what God desires. But ever since we fell, ever since Adam and Eve chose to Satan over God, that is the nature we are born with. Hatred towards God. The carnal mind is enmity towards God, uh, and it, it is not, as it goes, not uh, submissive to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So it doesn't want the law of God, doesn't submit to the law of God, neither can it be. Even if it realizes, even if we realize, even if our mind realizes, that would be good for me to do something good. In our own power, in our own strength, we cannot become obedient to the law of God on a consistent basis. Heart, mind, and action. The Bible says it's impossible for the carnal mind. That's why we need a new mind. That's why we need to have our minds renewed. That's why we need to have a changed heart. That's why God has to take out our heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. That's why God has to write his laws in our hearts, in our minds, so that we will do them. That's why we need to be born anew. Because we're born just as he's describing here. We have separated ourselves. We have chosen to separate ourselves, and thus we are uh, apart from him. But it's a problem, but it's not an impossible problem. God's arm is not too short that it cannot save. God has the power to redeem. God has the power to help. God has the power to deliver us. That's a powerful message right there. Really, that whole chapter can stop right there. That's a message that we can live with and experience and hold fast throughout our life. That's the only Bible text we needed. That, that would be enough. God is powerful enough to deliver us and to help us. And he comes to us. He loves us. He doesn't forsake us. Any separation is because of our choice. And in verse 4, it shifts from God speaking through Isaiah. And now it's like Isaiah speaking. It says, the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. And that's wonderful. God wants to give us a word. Right? God has given me. Right? It's, again, we're not something we're born with. We're not born with a love for God. We're born with a hatred towards God. We're not born with a desire to obey the law. We're not born with the ability to obey the law. We're not born with the ability to speak kind words to those who are weary. 
but God has given me the gift that comes from God. The gift that desires God, a, a gift that's uh, a confession, a gift of repentance, a gift of drawing near to God, a, a gift and power to obey God, all comes from God, including a tongue of the learned and a learned person with God's wisdom will speak a word in season to him who is weary. In season, the right word at the right time. And it's not a cookie cutter, this is the word to say at this time. Everybody is different. You know, when we experience grief for whatever reason, whether it's the death, death of a loved one or, or lots of kind of grief. We grieve losing a job, we, we grieve our children growing up and leaving the house. We grieve, um, you know, sometimes people grieve over a lost pet. Sometimes people rejoice. Well, I guess it all depends on your, uh, <laughs> you know, on your, your perspective on that. But uh, there's lots of types of grief, right? Loss of ability, right? Get old, right? We lose, we can't do what we used to do, right? There's different kinds of grieving of losses. And so there's not a cookie cutter statement that you say to someone when they're going through that type of grief. But God will give us the tongue of the learned so that we can speak the appropriate word to the appropriate person at the appropriate time, in season, to them that are weary. And weary for whatever reason. Weary, again, through grief, or maybe weary through uh, hard work, maybe weary through the battle of life and the battle against the devil, the battle against temptation. Encouraging words. Build each other up. Encourage one another. God will give us the right word. The word of the encourager. Calls us to go and, and, uh, and, go and speak love and speak encouragement and speak peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called the children of God. So God is able to give us, so we can pray for that. Lord, give me the words to speak. And he promises he'll put his words into our mouth. He'll have us speak before rulers or whoever he needs, but also to those that are weary, also those that are in need. That's a special gift that comes from God. And it's a beautiful gift. It's an important gift. And we never know the, the outcome. Just right, right? Do you believe that you could say something tonight here in the congregation, do you believe you can say something tonight that can totally ruin a relationship that you have with someone irreparable? Do you think that's possible? Yes. Yeah. Maybe just one word, right? <laughs> or one sentence that can totally destroy it forever. Maybe even a friendship that you've had for a long time. So if it's possible with one sentence to ruin something for the rest of your life, it's also possible that the appropriate word can be a blessing in someone's life that can last them throughout their life and maybe even to eternity. Tongue is a powerful tool for blessing or for cursing, depending who we surrender it to and we give it to. God has given me the tongue to learn. That's a good prayer request for us. Lord, give me that type of tongue. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. And often to have a tongue of a learned, we need to have an ear of the learned as well. We need to be good listeners. 
I'm listening to the Lord. The Lord wakens me morning by morning. It's wonderful when the Lord wakes us up, puts a burden on our hearts, something to pray about. The Lord woke me up this morning at 3 a.m. I don't know if that was a blessing or not. <laughs> but, uh, but I had something on my mind, and I got up, and I started praying about it, and uh, I went about tuning in a sermon here, and, and some other things this morning. And then I found out later in the day that at 3 o'clock in the morning, many miles away, someone else, one of the things I was praying about, found out early, that later in the day today that uh, something was going on there and that uh, it turned out good, praise the Lord. And so sometimes God wakes us up, puts a burden on our heart, wakes us up, doesn't do that all the time. Sometimes I sleep very late. <laughs> I like to sleep. Sleeping is one of the best things I like. I'm going to miss that in heaven. I think we should have naps in heaven. I mean, I think uh, sleeping is a great thing, but... Uh, it says the sun will never go down. But he awakens me morning by morning. But he can waken us up. And we surrender that, Lord. Wake me when you want. He wakens me, my ear to hear as the learning. So we wake up, we should be in tune with God. First thing we do in the morning should be praying and listening to God. Reading God's word. Soaking him in. The ear of the learned learns from God. Spends time with God. Morning time with God is so important, more important than anything else. And then closing the day with God is important as well. He'll open our ears. And then the key, he was not rebellious, nor did he turn away. So God came to him, and he didn't rebel, he received it. Verse 6, I gave my back to those who struck me, and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spit it. So now in verse 6, we find out Isaiah wasn't talking about himself, that God had given the tongue to speak the word to those that are weary. It wasn't about himself that he had wakened uh, morning by morning to have the ear of the learned. But it was a prophecy about Yeshua. And this very thing took place. We've seen many prophecies in Isaiah talking specifically, um, well, I mean, the whole Bible, but, uh, but very clear text that came to full fulfillment right there in his life, in the short three and a half years of his ministry. I gave my back to those who struck me. He did that. And my cheeks to those who pluck out the beard. How descriptive. And I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. We have no record of that happening to Isaiah. Maybe it did. It's not written directly like that. But we do have that three-point description happening to Yeshua. They whipped his back. I gave my back to those who struck me. Specifically on his back. They whipped him 39 times into his back. And also in Isaiah, with his stripes and heels. Gave my cheeks. Specifically mentions them beating his cheeks and pulling out the beard. And spitting at him. Putting a hood on him. Spitting at him and hitting him. Your prophets tell us who's hitting you. Mocking him. Amazing prophecy. You need to say three things in a row and then have it happen hundreds of years in the future in one person's life is, is, uh, is amazing. But he also had the word of the learned to speak to those who are weary. The woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more. Neither do I condemn thee. 
Woken morning by morning, praying all night long at times, listening to the Father. Verse 7, the Lord God will help me, therefore I will not be disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. Again, it fits right with verse 6. As he's getting beaten, as he's getting spit upon, as he's getting whipped in his back, as he's getting his beard plucked out, he's saying, the Lord God will help me. I will not be disgraced. And he wasn't. From that disgraceful moment, from that horrendous moment in history, it become the glory. It's become the glory of the ages. It's become the most beautiful thing. His punishment, his taking his, our suffering for us, the abuse put upon him, paying for our sin, our salvation through his death, hasn't been disgrace, but was meant for disgrace, has become glorious. And he did not fall. He set his face like a flint. He would not fall for their mocking. He would not fall for their coercing and temptations and, and trickery. He did not give in. He did not give in to the devil. He did not give in to Pilate. He did not give in to um, Caiaphas. He did not give in to the beaters, the whips. He did not give in to the taunters. He did not falter when the disciples ran from him. He set his face like a flint. Lord, take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done. He decided I will not falter. I will not be ashamed. I will go forward. I will drink the cup if that's what it takes. I will bear the suffering if that's what it takes. And he was not disgraced. His disgrace turned out to be grace. His shame came so we will not be ashamed. And his punishment becomes the pinnacle of history. Prophesied in the book of Isaiah hundreds of years before it happened. Verse 8, he is near he is near who justifies me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Surely the Lord God will help me. Who is he who condemns me? Indeed, they will all grow old like a garment, and the moth will eat them up. And that happened literally in Yeshua's life, those that were condemning him, those who were mocking him, those who uh, beat him. They've all grown old like a garment, and the moth has eaten them up. Pharisaical system and Sanhedrin system dried up. The Roman system is dried up. Roman Empire is gone. Satan's time is coming. Time is short. It'll be limited. This is a powerful promise that we can apply to our lives as well. And we'll look at this a little bit more here in a parallel text uh, in a few minutes. But if you're feeling like someone's condemning you, if you feel like there's an adversary against you, if you feel like someone's contending with you, 
Indeed, they will all grow old like a garment, and the moth will eat them up. And we read another passage of Isaiah a different week uh, that uh, they will eat their own flesh, they will drink their own blood. The Lord will contend with those that contend with us. Lots of powerful promises that we can lay hold on. So whatever our need is, if we're needing to speak to somebody, if God's calling you to speak to someone, we've got a promise tonight for that. If you're under attack, we've got a promise for that. If you're feeling like someone's trying to disgrace you, God will not allow you to disgrace. Set your face like a flint. If you're feeling uh, distant from God, he says, don't worry, I'm coming to you. His arm is not too short to save. He'll draw you back. Verse 10. Who among you fears the Lord? Who obeys the voice of his servant? Who walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. And if you hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the days of provocation, but surrender, yield to him, trust in him, rely on him, whatever the trouble is, whatever the problem is, fear the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Obey his voice. And this is another text in the Servant series. Several Isaiah chapters that talk about this servant. Hear the voice of his servant, the Messiah. Listen to his voice. Trust in him. And rely on him. He will take care of us. In verse 11, Look all you who kindle a fire who encircle yourselves with sparks. Walk in the light of your fire and in the sparks you have kindled. And this you will have from my hand. You shall lie down in torment. That's kind of an interesting little twist there. As we have several texts, my arm is not too short to save. I'm coming to you and, and I wasn't disgraced. You don't have to be disgraced. Those who contend with you, I will help you. They will grow old like a moth. But if you want to kindle your own fire, go right ahead. You don't want to rely on my power? You don't want to rely on my arm? You don't want to trust in me? You want to trust in yourself? You want to build your own fire? Go right ahead. There's a way that seems right to a man, Solomon said. And the end thereof is death. We can think we know the way. We can think we have a plan better than God's plan. Oh, I know the word of God says this, but, you know, this circumstance, this situation, that was old. Build your own fire if you want. Build your own religion if you want. Form your own God if you want. Oh, you may use the same names that the Bible uses, but if it doesn't look like the Bible God, it doesn't fit his description of himself, then it's just your own God. It's building your own fire. And you'll end up lying down in torment. We have a choice. Trust in the Lord. Rely in Him. Have peace in Him. Or trust in yourself. Let's go back to that text out of verse 8 and 9. He was near... He is near who justifies me. So in other words, God is near and he justifies me. And who will contend with me since God justifies me? The Lord God will help me. Who is he who will condemn me? 
Who can condemn me? God's helping me. Who can contend with me? God is justifying me. There's a parallel text to this. We'll see these four points brought out in the book of Romans. Chapter 8. It's also in this same chapter where that enmity against God, our carnal mind. Chapter 8, verse 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him for us all. My hand is not too short that it cannot deliver, right? Just read that in Isaiah. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, gave his face for the spitting, gave his beard for the plucking, gave his back for the whips. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Barbara sometimes says, can I ask this question? For you, anything, right? That's what God says. For you, anything. He loves us so much. He says, I already gave you everything. So would there be anything else I'd withhold from you? Murray signed over everything. He's already given us eternal life. He's already given us himself. He's already given us the plan of salvation. He's already given us forgiveness. He's already given us the gifts of repentance and the gifts of changed heart. He's already given us his love. He's already given us his grace. He's already given us his power. He's already given us all things. He gave us his most precious thing, his only begotten God. So will there be anything else that would happen? If we trust in him, if we rely on him, if we choose not to build our own fire, if we choose not to resist him, if we choose not to distance ourselves from him, if we choose not to divorce him, if we choose not to choose sin over him, everything is available to us. Nothing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Wonderful promise. And how he puts it, I give you everything. Gave you my son. What else would I withhold? Right? Warren Buffett or Bill Gates or whatever signed over their whole entire inheritance just to you. Then they went and got a job doing something, taking bagels or something like that. And you needed a dollar. (laughs) Would he not give you a dollar? He already gave you a million. I give you everything, whatever you can have. God's given us everything. If we need any more, he says, I'll give that to you as well. Freely give us all things. Right? So if God is for us, who could be against us? Right? Who could be against you? You think your boss is against you? You think your landlord's against you? You think your tenant's against you? You think your spouse is against you? You think your children are against you? You think your neighbors are against you? Your parents are against you? Your kids are against you? Whatever. If God is for you, who could really be against you? Us and God is more than enough. It's a majority. And 33, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. This is directly what it said there, right? Since God who justifies, who can condemn me? Who can contend with me? Who can bring a charge against us? 
since it is God who justifies us. He's the only one who can bring a real charge against us. And if we've surrendered our lives to him and he's already paid for it all, he has already justified us, he's already made us just as if we have never sinned in his sight. We've surrendered all. Who could bring it? Satan can stand there and condemn us. Our past can condemn us. Others can condemn us. But it's blotted out. It's forgiven. Buried in the bottom of the sea. You might condemn yourself. You might build your own fire. But claim God's word. He has justified you. Who is he who condemns? Who can possibly condemn us? It's the Messiah who died for us. And furthermore, who is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. So who can possibly be the one condemning us? The judge of all the earth is on our side. And our lawyer is on our side. Our advocate's on our side. He died for us. He gave us everything. Plus, he's already resurrected. He's already alive again. And so he's working for us in our behalf. So who could possibly be against us? What, some little Satan? Who's cast out of heaven? Who's a defeated foe? Who's a toothless lion? Who's a paper dragon? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing can condemn us. Nothing. Who can condemn us? Who can be against us? The Lord is on our side. All the rest is just smoke and mirrors. All Satan's lies and temptations. Just smoke and mirrors. You don't fall for it, you don't get deceived. Right? You don't play the, the game. Whatever the Oh, underneath the walnut shells, right? <laughs> the shell game, you don't lose. Don't fall for his tricks. Died, he's risen, he's at the right hand, making intercession for us. He's the only one who can condemn us, and he's on our side. As long as we don't reject and refuse and say, no, I want to build my own fire. We're okay under him. Verse 35. Gets better. Who shall separate us from the love of Messiah? Right? Who he doesn't write the, the, the divorce paper? He doesn't sell us away. Right? So who can separate us? Well, it's then Isaiah, only us. But he won't. Who will separate us from the love of Messiah? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword or having your back whipped or your beard picked out or your face spit upon? It is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Persecutions will come. The world will hate us. They hated him, they'll hate us too. But we're never separated from the love of Messiah. Didn't separate him, doesn't have to separate us. Yet in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. It could say, in all these things, we are conquerors through him who loved us. And that'd be enough. I don't know what it means by that we'll be more than conquerors. I don't know how you can be more than a conqueror. If you're already a conqueror, how can you be more than a conqueror? That's what it says. We'll be even more than a conqueror. Where sins abound, grace much more abound. He will make us more than conquerors by his grace by his love. In all of these things, 
and all the condemnations and all the accusations and all the beatings and the trials and the persecutions and the perils and the worries and the cares and the fears and the threats were more than conquered. All the bad reports and all the negative news and all the threatenings of boycotts and investments and things, all the lies and all the world against us, it doesn't matter. The Lord is for us. Who can condemn us? The Lord is the one who justifies us. Who could be against us? He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding in our behalf. And he makes us, not only justifies us, and then he makes us, not only just as if we never sinned, but then he changes us and makes us more than conquerors. More than just forgiven, but now victorious. More than just the past sins washed away, the record of them, but they have no power over us in the present and no power over us in the future. We have become more than conquerors. Not only conquering death, not only conquering the grave, not only conquering hell, but more than conquerors by God's power through his love we are more than conquerors today in the here and now. He's able to keep us from falling. He is on our side. His arm is not too short that he cannot deliver. He makes us more than conquerors. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Messiah Yeshua our Lord. Nothing but our own choice. Satan cannot, again, like that uh, comedian used to say, the devil made me do it. The devil can't make you do it. You have to choose to do it. You have to choose to make your own fire. You have to choose to divorce the Lord. You have to choose to separate yourself from him. No one can separate you. No one can do anything to you that can separate you from God. Right? And so if you separate yourself from God, you can't blame it on anyone else. Right? I don't care if a psychologist, psychiatrist, or whatever other thing out there blames it on your dad, your mom, your aunt, your uncle, your great-great-great-great-grandpa, or whatever. doesn't matter. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, except our own choice. I had a friend who uh, called her up on our answering machine. It was all these verses from Romans 8, 33 through 38. <laughs> Hello! And she'd go into the whole thing and read the whole thing. <laughs> but it's powerful, right? Persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, present or things to come, the current problem you're going through, or whatever bad thing will happen in the future. No matter how big, no matter how wide, nothing, anything that's created, nothing, nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Messiah Yeshua. So we can't say, I'm not loved. We might not be loved by this world. Someone sent me an email once and said, 
Nobody loves me except the Lord. I wrote back, I said, you're right. <laughs> There's nobody who loves us like the Lord. His love is the only true love. His love is the only pure love. And that's all we need. And nothing shall separate us from his love. And if we're receiving his love, we'll be givers of love. It'll be overflowing. And we won't be sucking it out of other people. We'll be giving it to us. And when we give it to others, it comes back. We just get enough from the Lord. It just comes and comes and keeps on going. Lord will flood us. Again, he's given us all things. He won't give us anything else. If you need more love, if you need more security, if you need more faith, if you need more hope, if you need more trust, if you need more power, if you need more consistency, you need to set your face like a flint, will not fall for that anymore. By God's grace, I'm not going to do that anymore. By God's grace, I'm going to wake up and start having morning devotion. By God's grace, I'm going to end the day with the Lord. By God's grace, I'm going to spend time with Him. By God's grace, I'm going to get consistent. I'm going to allow Him to wake me morning by morning. More than conquer through Him who made us. God, give me a tongue to speak to those that are weary. Speak through me. Give me your heart. What are you needing today? God calling you to minister to someone? You need his tongue? You needing God to speak to you? You need him to give you an ear of the learned so you'll know his will for your life and direction? Are you needing his love? Are you beaten down? Are you weary? feel unloved, you feel rejected. Feel condemned. Feel discouraged. Feel like the world doesn't want you. Feel beaten and whipped and bruised. Persecuted. Nothing shall separate you from the love of Messiah. You feel like you don't have all your needs met. Feel like something's lacking in your life. Because I've given you my son. I've given you all things. If you need anything else, I'll give it to you. There's no good thing will I withhold from you. Receive it from the Lord. He says, I'll give you the desires of your heart. Maybe you're needing to be more than a conqueror. Maybe you're needing victory in some area of your life. Maybe you've drawn back from God. Maybe the carnal mind is rejecting God's law and rejecting Him. You need a new mind, a new heart, a new life. He's coming to you. He's come to us. His arm is not too short to save. Let Him deliver you. Let Him work in your life. Let him wash away the past. Let him forgive the past. Let him give you victory in the present, power in the future. Let him make you more than a conqueror. Whatever you're eating tonight, from God's word, 
as we pray. Ask the Lord to meet that need. Ask the Lord to use you. Ask the Lord to give you his tongue. Ask the Lord to wake you. Have worship time with him. Ask the Lord to give you his ears. Thank him for giving his son. Thank you, Shua, for being willing to be beaten and whipped, spit upon, rejected, for bearing our sins. Thank him for justifying us. Thank you for accepting us. He accepts us just as we are. And he loves us too much to leave us this way. He then transforms us and changes us. You're needing to be a conqueror. Ask him to give you that. Whatever your need is tonight, as we pray, let the Lord work in your life. You're needing to try him and trust him. Needing to rely on him. He's open and willing. His invitation is there. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, thank you for coming to us tonight. Thank you for drawing us with your everlasting love. Thank you that you love us more than anyone could ever love us. Thank you for never leaving us nor forsaking us. Thank you for not divorcing us. Thank you for not selling us. Thank you for buying us. Thank you for marrying us. Thank you for making us your own. Lord, see us through the trials to come and the persecutions to come. Hold us fast and hold us fast to you. Give us determination to set our faces towards you. Work in us and through us. Make us more than conquerors. Use our lips in being a blessing. Speak to our ears. Lead us in the way everlasting. In Yeshua's holy name.